Welcome, welcome, welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Slow week, maybe in IndyCar news and headlines, but a perfect time to revisit some of the business maneuverings of IndyCar in the offseason. We are joined by the motorsports reporter, among other duties, at Sports Business Journal, Adam Stern. Adam, as always, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. So, Adam, there are so many off-season topics to dive into in IndyCar from Penske management to TV contracts, third OEM, international races, uh, a lot of business things. Let, let's start with, I think, probably the, the most intriguing topic moving forward, and that's the TV contract. CW, Fox, NBC, is there a fourth player that's legitimate in the next IndyCar TV contract? Well, you know, the, I think legitimate will be kind of the key um, part of that because, I mean, from what I understand, they're talking to more than that. Um, they're in talks with, from what I understand, you know, upwards of five, maybe even six uh, folks. But, you know, at the same time, it doesn't seem like they're at such an advanced stage yet where that necessarily means that by the end of this cycle, or by the end of this negotiation, they're going to really have six people bidding for it. So. I think the reality is, is there's some good early indicators that they've got, you know, several folks who, I mean, in the media rights world, you almost always take a meeting, right? Like I, I, I remember, for example, ESPN told us on the record um, at SBJ that they would take a meeting with NASCAR for the deals that they recently just completed. Of course, in the end, ESPN not, didn't go with them. And they said, you know, we never dismiss like a major property out of hand, you know, we'll always meet with them. So, Look, the reality is you're always, you know, usually, as long as you're a pretty legit series, which IndyCar is, you always get a meeting with folks. Um, and so, it, it, you know, legitimate is, is kind of the, is kind of going to be kind of the key part here because I definitely think they're, from what I understand in talks with, you know, like I said, upwards of five or, or even perhaps maybe even six, but at least five um, media networks. Obviously, NBC, um, you know, does seem like Fox is in the mix. Um, of course, you know, the CW is already doing stuff with IndyCar, so it seems like they're also in the mix. And then, you know, it seems like there's another streamer. Um, you know, obviously, um, Apple's been doing other stuff in motorsports, like the F1 movie. So it, it possibly, you know, they're, they're possibly a player there. Um, but we'll have to see what comes of that. So I, I definitely think that they've got some folks who are talking to them, but at the same time, you know, I think it's too early to say, like, hey, they've got five that are definitively going to bid because it seems like, you know, having spoke to Mark Miles, and we have a piece coming about this soon, you know, when I spoke to him about this uh, last week, you know, he was saying that they're at such a stage where they're not even necessarily discussing money yet and that, you know, there might have been some like brief discussions about it, but by and large, they're not. They're still kind of in the in the phase where they're discussing programming and how it might look, and so they're not really so advanced yet. Where I'm comfortable to say, "Hey, look, they're going to have five that ultimately bid for it." But at this still somewhat early stage, it seems like they've got you know at least um, close to half a dozen folks they're talking to, different media networks they're talking to. So that's kind of a good sign. But you know, we'll have to see if ultimately it becomes good news or if it's a little bit of just, uh, you know, an early, you know, bit of uh, a good indicator early on, but it doesn't really prove to be much. It proved to be kind of fool's gold. So we'll have to see, but obviously everyone in the industry is hoping that it turns into a legitimate bidding war 
And, and that's what IndyCar will need to get more money. You know, Adam, when you look at it, I think maybe the most intriguing thing for me when we talk about money is the deal that the CW gave to the Xfinity series and and how much how lucrative that was. Does that change the market in any way in terms of what IndyCar could get on the market? I'm not saying they're going to get upwards of 100 million a year like Xfinity, but at the same time, you have to think in terms of ratings, they're pretty comparable. So could this reset the market a little bit? Could IndyCar really benefit from a potential sizable bump in media rights money based on what Xfinity is getting from CW? It's a good question. I mean, I would say two things. I would say, it's one, it's probably not that simple, but two, I wouldn't outright dismiss the idea that IndyCar is going to get more money. So I don't think we can just say, like, hey, you know, NASCAR got this um, with, with the CW, so therefore the CW will offer that for IndyCar. I mean, there's different things that go into it. Obviously, um, you know, for example, I believe um, – even though it's not, I think they have several races less than Cup. I believe Xfinity has, you know, still upwards of thirty races, which is a, a good bit more than IndyCar. It's not a lot, but it's it's a decent bit more. You know, the um, the races sometimes can be longer, so you have more time to sell ads. That's something that plays into NASCAR's tonnage. Um, there, there's different aspects to it. You know, look, the reality is, is IndyCar at this time. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting about the question is no one really knows, and even at you know. NASCAR folks have been kind of, um, you know, unclear about this is, you know, what was Indy, what was Xfinity getting in the current deal? Cause it was kind of all wrapped into one. Like this is the first time they broke it out like this. So, you know, it seems like they're definitely getting an increase in rights. I mean, that much they'll say that, you know, the new Xfinity deal is going to be worth more than what they were kind of getting in the value between, Fox and NBC, but no one's really even quite clear on how much they were getting from Fox and NBC for the, at least that I've been able to learn about the value of their current exchange rights because it was rolled in differently. Like, there's a different deal. So it's kind of unclear exactly how much of an increase they exactly even got. Like, it, I, have, I have been told by people that, yes, we, we feel that this is an increase in the value of the Xfinity rights, but I haven't even quite heard. So it's tough to say, you know, exactly how it's going to translate. And the reality is, is IndyCar at this point, from what we understand, are getting... Um, you know, close to $20 million or around $20 million. Now, could it be a little bit more? I, it could be, but it sure seems like it's in and around that range. I just don't see how they would get five times as much the money just because of a NASCAR deal. Like, it just, it's just, now, now, the question is still a very fair question because it is a very interesting topic, and it's something where, you know, I'd love to know more details myself because these are some of these things where you can only – get so much out of these executives to, to tell you some of these things. But I don't think IndyCar is looking at a $100 million deal. It would be very surprising, not just because of its own situation, but also the broader macro mm-hmm. situation in um, media and sports media, where a lot of these networks right now are trying to figure out streaming. They're losing cable subscribers. Um, they're, you know, Wall Street is pushing them for profitability and that's a big kind of cocktail of, Hey, we got to tighten our belt right now. So, you know, the good news for sports is like, they're still so valuable that they're one of the only things that companies will splash out on, but it's not as easy as it once was. And that's part of the reason why NASCAR's deal, you know, by their own admission and, and certainly, you know, what we understood privately, but they, but they also admitted it publicly in the end, their deal took longer than they had hoped for. And they will basically concede it was, 
partially because of just how tough the macro environment was. Um, you know, these companies are being very careful right now. So, you know, I don't think IndyCar's ratings necessarily suggest a five-fold jump in their revenue. Um, but at the same time, to your point, the ratings are somewhat similar. You know, there's different factors, and that's why it's not just as sim- simple as, you know, that they got the same ratings. There are different factors that play into it, but it, it is a very fascinating topic. We'll see how much they get. It's certainly possible to get an increase, I think, but um, whether they get a significant increase like fivefold or just a little bit smaller, I think will be worth watching. And, um, yeah, it is a really interesting topic, so it would be something that I'd love to hear from, you know, I'd love to see you guys bring on, like, a media executive and try and explain, like, hey, especially after we see what IndyCar gets. Like, hey, if IndyCar gets the same ratings, why is there this, this disparity? Because there are different factors, like I said, but, um, yeah, I'd love to hear, a, you know, kind of an ex- expert's take on it in terms of someone who's worked at a, a uh, network because it is quite a fascinating topic. Adam, one of the other factors moving forward, so IndyCar's gone from having one race on Peacock last couple of years. This year, it'll be two. Is it safe to say the next TV deal will include a streaming element that will probably mean another increase in the number of stream races, whether that's three, four, five? Is that where IndyCar's headed for this next TV deal, is having a larger stream-only component? I think it remains to be seen because it depends on who they're with. Like, if they go with, let's say they stay with NBC, probably. You know, we see that, you know, how important Peacock is <clears throat> to uh, Comcast, NBC Universal. The whole world, of course, just learned that, right, with the um, NFL playoff game and, you know, just how big of a topic that became in the cultural zeitgeist. Um, so, you know, we know that that's a major initiative for NBC, and therefore, if they stick with NBC, you'd it'd be reasonable surmise they might take that up a little bit. But let's say they go with the CW. Then they're probably not going to do any streaming, you know, unless they work out some sort of, like, dual hybrid sort of deal. Um, Because, you know, the CW is all about, you know, reach on linear old-fashioned TV. And so, they, you know, they're kind of still on that over-the-air. They're they're one of those few channels like CBS, Fox, and ABC that's on, you know, 100% or close to 100% of every TV that can be turned on. So um, it just is going to depend. And, of course, if they went with, like, an Amazon or an Apple TV, you know, uh, MLS has worked out a little bit of a hybrid where, like, they're kind of said they went 100% to um, streaming, but it's not quite true. They still have a couple matches that end up on ESPN, like their championship game and stuff. But they mostly went fully to streaming. Well, IndyCar might go mostly to streaming. You know, it seems unlikely, but it's possible, you know, because – the reality is, and this is something I spoke to uh, IndyCar CEO Mark Miles about, and he basically confirmed is that, and I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious, but I, you know, I still asked him about it, is like, it, it, you know, is it tough to talk about splitting this up because, you know, the Indy 500 is such an important part of the value that it, it, it might be. T- now, of course, we know that um, IndyCar's rights have been split up before, you know, where uh, ABC, ESPN had the Indy 500, NBC Sports did the other races, et cetera. But, you know, it, I asked him, is it tough in this environment currently to try and, you know, split this up? Because that would mean, you know, one company would probably not be getting it. Of course, they're both going to get it. One company is not doing the Indy 500, which is a significant part of the value. So I think they're looking through all their options, and it's too early to say exactly how it's going to play out with, okay, we got two on Peacock. Now it's going to be three in the next deal. I think everything's on the table, and it's, it's too early to say definitively. But, we do know definitively that it looks like we're moving into the streaming age. 
Adam, another. I think this all kind of ties into my next question. When we look at at, at a, 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 the coming three years, coming five years in terms of IndyCar, we've seen F1 do its thing, Cup and NASCAR do its thing. You know, any indication that that, that that there is some sort of plan in place, multi-season plan to kind of take IndyCar to whatever the goal is for, whether it's the next TV deal, what they want to accomplish on track, behind the scenes, off the track. Any indication that there is some sort of plan at 16th and Georgetown? Because if from the public perspective, there doesn't seem to be much of one. Well, look, I mean, one, I'd say, you know, the, the Penske Entertainment folks haven't told me everything about their business, so it's certainly possible that they have some some forms of you know five year plans or ten year plans that I'm not aware of. Um, you know, obviously they've got plans. It's it's just a matter of is it something like that, or are they just taking things on a case by case basis? Um, you know, certainly. Look, you know, everyone knows this that like Roger Penske, he didn't become you know as rich as he has. I think essentially a billionaire, or he is a billionaire. Um, you know, by not working hard, you know, so we know that they're, they're, they're working on something like they've got stuff that they're trying to make happen. It's, it's just whether they are making it happen. And, you know, if they're not, you know, is the series kind of falling behind? So clearly we know like Roger Penske and his group of folks are, are working. Like there's no doubt about that. They're, they're trying to do stuff, but is it enough? Um, you know, is the, is it having the desired effects? You know, were they hamstrung from the start because of COVID? You know, these are all more of the fair questions, I think. But they're obviously working, of course. And, um, you know, so, you know, is there a master plan? I mean, you know, that says, hey, this is where we want to be in 10 years or five years. I'm not sure. That would be a fascinating thing to hear them answer. Um, Like, for example, I know Ben Kennedy and NASCAR, uh, I think he told us in 2020, uh, 2022, that they had a 10-year-out plan. So, like, they had... Like, it was a very private thing. Only a few people at NASCAR know about in their strategy group. But, like, the strategy group of NASCAR has put together a 2031 mock schedule. Like, where that, that's where they want to be by 2000. I'd love to get my hands on it. I wish I knew what it looked like. It would be absolutely fascinating to see. Um, but, you know, so does IndyCar have something like that? I don't know. I, I should ask that question. It is a good question, or, or someone else should. Um, but, but, look, it, you know, and, and it is a very fair question because – Look, you know, working on the long term is important because, um, like, that's one of the things that NASCAR's charter system helped solve, uh, according to people I've spoken to familiar with that system, is that it added these governance councils, um, and the governance councils, like, there's a, gov- there's a council for OEMs, there's a council for teams, and what I heard from people involved is, like, those councils allowed the entities involved to start moving from only working on short-term stuff to working on medium to long-term stuff as well, because they were more organized. So it is a really good question by you. Um, and, and I would love to know more myself about whether they officially have one, but we know they're working on stuff. We just, you know, it, it, that, that is a good question about exactly what their long-term vision is. I'm sure they have one in some shape or form. I just don't know exactly how it's constructed or, or how they have rented out or what, what, what have you. And, um, yeah, you know, we're seeing Greg Penske, you know, do more, right? So there's clearly a plan there. There's a succession plan. Um, but, yeah, clearly, you know, IndyCar's at an interesting time where, you know, Formula One has really come into America and stepped up its game. You know, NASCAR is pushing uh, the envelope, and so people are looking for IndyCar to do the same. Adam, you, you talk about big events right there at the end. IndyCar has said this offseason that they're working on something 
that's supposed to be a big event, and we don't believe it's the the thermal event, the non-points race is coming up this spring. Is there any idea, inkling of of what they what that may entail? Great question. I would say the only inkling of what it might may entail in mind at this stage is that um, I remember speaking with Mark, and I believe I reported it publicly that uh, Mark Miles said that they were looking at something new on the East Coast. So. You know, I think that came, I think he told me that, and I reported that. You know, roughly maybe two months before that that other article came out, where he said they were working on something big schedule wise. So, are those related? Probably, uh, it, but 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 not certainly. You know, so um, yeah, it's you know we know that IndyCar kind of has a you know they tried to do that race in Boston. It was an absolute debacle. You know, for for so many reasons. You know, certainly not only because of IndyCar by any stretch. It, the the promoter had all sorts of issues largely due to, due to the promoter, really, in terms of the cancellation from my memory. But, of course, I'm sure everyone had somewhat of a role. Um, you know, so we know they've got a little bit of a hole in the, in the Northeast after they, you know, that didn't happen and they lost Pocono. Uh, you know, they dropped Pocono. So, you know, could it be something like that uh, in the East Coast? Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, it, theoretically, they could look a little bit more in the Southeast to Florida as well. If You know, obviously, there's been talk about Homestead, but I don't think that would necessarily qualify as a, Huge event. So, yeah, I don't know the exact um, race. We know that, of course, um, you know, Graham Rahal has talked about could a race happen in Pittsburgh, you know, so maybe it's like a street race in a, in a major city like that, a pretty major city. That'd be really interesting. So don't know exactly what he was referring to yet, but would not be surprised if it's on the eastern part of the uh, U.S. Adam, when you look at other aspects of IndyCar and where they're at, there seems to be, I mean, growing frustration uh, outwardly and maybe inwardly in terms of uh, the hybrids and the delays in that and when that could happen and then kind of tied in with that is the, is the chassis. And we know that Roger Penske has been vocal in saying that the, the series doesn't need a chassis. In terms of, of keeping, um, I guess, OEMs in particular interested and we know what what Honda came out and said that in our opinion maybe is is priority number one in terms of offsetting costs and making the the series more affordable to its investors in terms of OEMs not only existing but potential interested OEMs what can you tell us about the process of that what you've heard about Honda what you've heard about GM as well and Chevy and potentially solutions to the issue of cost overruns for these OEMs. Well, it's a really interesting time right now in the car industry overall. So let's start there. Like from the broadest macro perspective, we're seeing a huge, you know, kind of um, not, you know, there's a lot of evolutions in life and in industries, but this is more of a revolutionary time, um, you know, where people are looking to potentially ditch, you know, the internal combustion engine for the first time in, you know, ever, right? I mean, so... um, this is uh, a time where car companies are trying to figure out the future themselves. You know, some of them are dialing back on electric. Some of them are remain full steam ahead. You know, other companies involved are doing interesting things like we just saw uh, last week that Hertz, which was originally going kind of all in on having a significant portion of its fleet be electric. They're now selling a decent amount of their electric cars because they're not seeing as much demand and they're proving, uh, you know, very high to um, uh, do maintenance with in terms of costly so, you know, you've already got a, a, a tricky situation right now to begin with where, you know, a lot of these car companies are trying to figure out what is the consumer of tomorrow want? How much do we need to invest in that? Did we just invest too much? 
you know, now we're going to be screwed, all these different things. So you've got that going on. And then, of course, Honda, they've already all kind of been uh, a little bit, you know, mercurial or fickle, where, like, you know, they've exited an entrance and, and gone into Formula One several different times, including, you know, announcing, I believe, in 2020 that they were going to leave, and then Formula One took off in popularity, and then they had to reverse themselves again. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, and then, of course, you know, like one of the things with um, electric cars, you know, having their issues is that's made hybrids quite popular right now. So it's kind of interesting because it's not necessarily brand new technology, but it is what, you know, IndyCar is looking at going to, of course, you know, in the coming months. And now all of a sudden, you know, hybrids are, are, are the hot thing right now. So I think the reality is, like, when it comes to Honda's situation, I mean, it's not they've kind of they kind of framed it about you know costs and maybe at this point at this point now it is strictly about costs but i think the reality is is that like if indycar becomes more popular and you know there's better metrics like that will play into them wanting to stay as well kind of similar to what happened in in f1 where they said that they were going to leave and then all of a sudden f1 blew up in popularity and they were like all of a sudden "Ah, actually we're we're probably going to stay so you know, they kind of framed it as, as cost, and maybe, like, they've made up their mind that that is going to be the key factor because they don't believe IndyCar's about to take off enough that they want. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, of course, uh, you know, we saw Chevy kind of released uh, an even-keeled statement. They really didn't say too much either way. Um, of, you know, but, yeah, it, it's obviously a hugely important topic. Uh, you know, that, that's just kind of very obvious. I don't have the, the perfect answer at this point or exa- know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I saw, I think Marshall Pruitt brought up a great point, which was, um, you know, if you kind of wanted to do deductive logic, if Honda definitely wanted to leave no matter what, they would have just not said anything and just waited till they announced it and then said, we're out. So I think it's somewhat of a good sign for IndyCar that they kind of, it's a bad sign that they, you know, are feeling this way, but it's a good sign that they kind of, leaked their concerns and, you know, said, hey, we want to potentially try and fix this rather than just say, hey, you know, we're not, we're not going to say anything to the press at all until we announce we're leaving on one fell swoop. So that kind of leaves you feeling a little bit optimistic that they'll find a way to work it out. But, you know, of course, the main goal has been to bring in a third OEM. They tried very hard with Toyota. Um, you know, Roger Penske owns a lot of Toyota dealerships. So there was a lot of leverage, you know, there, but it just didn't work out. So, it's a very important topic, but I don't think it's all been decided yet. I think they're, they're working on these things as we speak. And again, it's, you know, these car companies are working on their future as we speak. So it's a very interesting time, not just for IndyCar, but even for, for NASCAR, like NASCAR trying to figure out what they're going to be in the future. I mean, IndyCar, of course, they've had their issues with this hybrid system getting delayed. And that is a legitimate issue. But I mean, even when you look at NASCAR, like NASCAR is having trouble figuring out do we want to invest in electric? Do we want to do something with hydrogen? You know, what have you. It's a very interesting time in the car industry, and hopefully uh, IndyCar will be, able, will be able to uh, work it out, at least maintain these two OEMs. And, look, I'm just as interested as you guys are, uh, you know, whether it's going to go spec or not. So I, I don't have that answer, um, but it, it will be very interesting to see, and, and there's a lot going on with it. Adam, before we let you go, one thing Justin and I have wondered for quite some time, especially with everything that's happened this offseason in IndyCar, you have Roger Penske in charge with Penske Entertainment, but then you have these powerful team owners like Zach Brown and McLaren, Chip Ganassi at Chip Ganassi Racing, obviously Michael Andretti, 
at Andretti Global, um, Bobby Rahal at Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Uh, there's been a, a lot of murmuring, you know, behind closed doors. But when it comes to public comments, these guys have been pretty quiet as far as the direction of IndyCar. Is that intentional or, or is there such a thing as these guys being silenced? What's going on with that? You know, I, I hadn't thought too much about that, but that's an interesting point. But I, I would just say that, you know, yeah, typically speaking in motorsports, like there is this, you know, until things, and of course we know like IndyCar has had situations where things have hit the fan and there's been, you know, a split. But, you know, when, when folks feel like things are kind of in a good place uh, in a lot of these series, they do often kind of like to try and handle things behind doors, you know, behind the scenes, behind closed doors at first. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting observation by you guys. Um, and look, I mean, you're exactly right. You know, there's some very powerful, opinionated, as we know, team owners in IndyCar, and it would be surprising if they're not, you know, sharing their thoughts with whether it's Roger or, you know, some of his top guys like Walt Zarnicki, uh, you know, Bud Danker, Jonathan Gibson, you know, folks like that, uh, Jay Fry. Mark, of course, Mark Miles, it would be surprising if they're not, you know, so I do think you're onto something that, you know, and, and that's not to say that they might not address it, you know, when we come to St. Pete, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some folks talking to, uh, you know, like Chip, Chip Ganassi always talks to the media the first week of the season. So I'm sure they'll address it to some degree, but I think you might be onto something that, you know, right now there's still enough belief in Roger amongst these key principal players where they're not going to go throw him under the bus to the media because, in their minds, it's not really going to solve anything. And to be fair, they're not, you know, it, let's say that I'm uh, correct in thinking that that's what they're thinking, then they're not 100% wrong about that. Um, you know, it, there is potentially a fair point to be made that, hey, even if we are struggling, we might not be at the stage where, you know, throwing the owner under the bus publicly is going to help us struggle less, you know. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that I'm sure they're sharing their thoughts behind the scenes and, and hoping for, you know, more kind of good things to come, just like what happened with uh, being able to fix that iRacing situation. Obviously, it, it happened with the console game getting, you know, pushed out way into the future. So that's the one negative. But at least for the hardcore simulator fans, you know, they're going to be back. So, yes, I, I would think that you're onto something there, that there's probably a, you know, it might not be a, you know, coordinated thing like, hey, guys, we're all going to agree. One, two, three, not throw Roger under the bus. But, it might be a thing where there's just enough belief in him still where they don't feel it's productive to, to talk too much uh, publicly about that yet. Adam Stern, Sports Business Journal, their motorsports reporter. Adam, as always, we appreciate you joining us pr- pretty much every offseason here on the podcast, and I'm sure we'll check down the road once the new TV deal goes through. You got it. Thank you. Adam Stern joining us. Some good stuff there. He also used some like really nice words. I don't know if you caught that. Yes, he was using some words that I had to look up, make sure uh, I knew I, what they meant. I I can't remember off the top up top of my head, but there are a couple. I was like, wow, are you, are you getting paid by uh, the fancy word here? It was the, it was good stuff. The, yeah, the syllable potentially. But the thing with Adam is you have so much to ask him, and we're like, oh, we got a good twenty five minutes, and then at the end, you're like, man, we didn't ask him like a third of what we wanted to ask him because he's so long-winded, but it's great information. And it was great to have Adam Stern on and put some things in perspective for us. As well. uh, especially at the end, uh, talking about the, the owners, owners and, and everything. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good perspective in terms of it's not bad enough for them to go public. That being said, 
if they want to do that at one of these tests, if they want to do that at St. Pete's, right? They they most certainly will. They very well could. Maybe an interesting. And as you mentioned, you know, Chip Ganassi talks to media to start the year, and that could be an interesting conversation. I would also like, and I've, I think I've said this before on the podcast, Roger Penske, there should always be a state of the series type uh, press conference or uh, you know media availability. And I like that in the month of May. And I think that would be that would be nice to have an annual kind of state of the series type thing. He's kind of had that a little bit here and there, but there's never been an official state of the series type type um, interview or type uh, media availability type thing in, in in May. You know, a lot of people you'd have it at the beginning of the year. I like it in in May, and I'd like that to be an annual thing, like the the Friday of Carb Day, like a media availability, which they kind of do that in a way. But I like I would like the series to approach it yes. as a state of the series, and if there's anything big that you're going to unveil for next year or the coming years, that would be it. Because teams kind of treat it that way. Whether it's a new team, whether you know when they unveiled the DW12, remember that like 25 years ago, at least it feels like, and it was you know they unveiled it I think in in May because I remember it out in out front of the pagoda when they unve- unveiled it. I remember they did the iconic like event, and I actually went to that. This would have been like 2011, 2012. Uh, and that was like in downtown Indy. Yeah. So they, they've done things in like Rainy Bernard. I think he did like a state of the series. Yeah, but he did. Granted, if Rainy Bernard did it, that means the team owners are going to want the exact opposite. Yeah, pretty much. Which, <laughs> you know, that's kind of where I go back is like, gosh, you guys spoke out against Rainy Bernard so much. It's like, why are you guys so coy and quiet now? Because Roger's one of them. Yeah, that's that, true. You that don't turn against your own. Yes. Right? Yes. And if you don't know who Rainy Bernard is, if you're newer to IndyCar, well, just look up like IndyCar in 2010, 11. Uh, look up old racer mailbags. Y- you can find a treasure trove of good stuff. Now, 10 years or so removed from the Randy Bernard era. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts when somebody says, hey, Randy Bernard, remember when he ran IndyCar? What are your immediate thoughts? Unfortunately, I think Vegas. Me too. Uh, I think him trying to switch from Firestone to, what was it, Continental Tire? Well, he was at the very least trying to drum up a tire war of yes. some sort. Uh, I think of the, the IZOD deal, which that he did a lot with that, as far as yeah. bringing IZOD to IndyCar, which was a big thing. Those are like the first three things that come to my mind. Unfortunately, it's Vegas and the, yeah. the Indi- IZOD IndyCar Challenge, and one, not attracting top people. Because they tried to get like Travis Pastrana, for example, it didn't work with his schedule. They tried to get F one yeah. drivers. So, so what on was so it like forth. a five million dollar? What was the reward to win if you I, weren't an IndyCar regular that race? I, it was five or ten million dollars. Now yeah. Weldon ended up being the the one who participated. Of course, unfortunately, right. we know what happened with that. Yeah. Um, and they had a huge field. They had too many cars. They had too much downforce and disaster. That is happen. that was. Unfortunately, unfortunately his the, legacy. the legacy. Yeah, yeah. yeah unfortunately, exactly. there's his legacy for Randall Bernard. I think maybe his ideas were a little bit too early for his time, because I think he was very much a "Hey, what do we try that is going to make us different?" And we've talked ad nauseum now about wouldn't that be nice to kind of think outside the box? Yes. Unfortunately, in, in, in an early social media era, and I get that social media was pretty established by 2011, but we don't have all the things like Instagram wasn't popular. You didn't, you didn't have all these platforms, and it just seems like that could have gotten more buzz with a more developed and, and broader social me- media landscape, too. I appreciate more people with smartphones and all. Right. That. I appreciated Randy Bernard's 
approach to trying new things. I just think he was so far removed uh, from being a, from understanding racing. I think it was more of an entertainment type thing than actual racing. And I I think you look at the tragedy in Vegas as that. But I, I, unfortunately, I do think he takes a lot of the fall for uh, what happened around there and, and that time. I think he had some some decent ideas. It was just the wrong time for those ideas. If you agree, disagree with us, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us online. NewTrackRecordPodcast.com is the website. While you're there, sign up for the email list. It is free. We'll send out a weekly email with uh, episodes and also emails with any special announcements. Plus, you can check out the store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale. Uh, you can support us via Patreon. Patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Uh, thanks to Xavier and others for their support. Again, starting at just $1 a month on social media, IndyCar podcast on Instagram, on Twitter slash X, just search for new track record on Facebook. And you can also email us new track record podcast at gmail.com. And as always free to download, free to listen on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google, which Google podcasts going away the end really? of March. We've covered this before, but now there's like a timeline. So ah. uh, Amazon, wherever you left, listen to podcasts, as always, all for free. Like we had a big jump in when we looked at our, uh, was it year, our wrap, our 2024 yes. wrap or whatever on Spotify. on Spotify. But that was just, I mean, it's great, but more people are matriculating over to Spotify. Seems like from first Apple podcast and now apparently Google podcast. Yeah, Google Podcasts going away the end of March. So if you listen on there, uh, find another platform. Yeah, prepare accordingly. All right, mailbag time, and there's really not a lot to get to. Not that, <laughs> not that that's a surprise. It was not a very slow news week. Uh, we did have some fun stuff, though. Um, first off, on <laughs> big announcements that you put in quotes, uh, Jeremy from HBG said, they are borrowing from AEW's playbook as far as IndyCar's big announcements come Uh-huh. So yeah, we, which we shall see. And it was interesting because Marshall Pruitt in the mailbag kind of expanded upon that and was we really went into detail on on everything that he has heard and I'm trying to remember just the exact wording. Everything he has heard is like they're hyping up existing things that we already know about that are coming and it's basically like the the series is kind of treating it like a fake it till you make it type thing yes. where they're teasing things teasing things teasing teasing things but there's nothing concrete behind it they're just trying to like he said in, in the mailbag fake it till you make it like str- like string people along until there's actual tangible big things to announce that just kind of seems where we're at well it's like the, things are known right you have the iRacing iRacing deal already announced you have uh, hybrids coming again that's known it's been delayed right but we we know it's coming eventually uh you have a second season of 100 days to indy which all signs have, have indicated that's returning and then there was something that nathan brown the indy star posted on on his article as far as the drivers and that special group that we talked about last week yeah uh, at the meeting with pinsky entertainment execs but uh, one thing that came out of brown's article on indystar.com is that it's it, the hundred days that any expected to land on a major streaming platform mm-hmm. and they'd have distribution to Europe for season one. Right. Okay. These are all small things, yeah, but again, the they're nice, the, but the big announcements, like I don't, I, unless hundred days to Indies coming to Netflix, I don't know if that warrants, you know, a big announcement, so to speak. Yeah. I just, um, I, I just, I'm not, it sounded like, uh, 
it's just posturing. It's just trying to tell people a big thing. You know, it's, it's, it goes along with the, oh, no, negative talk for 2024. It's like, oh, we're going to hype up big. The big things are coming. Big <laughs> things are coming. We don't know what those things are, but they're coming. And that's kind of what I'm kind of looking at it right now. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. In the coming months, years, decades, who knows? Uh, other notes, you posted a poll, which defunct IndyCar team from recent years do you miss the most? Uh, nearly 43% of you said Schmidt, nearly 7% said Harding, 34% Dragon Speed, 16.5% Carlin, uh, IndyCar DJ32 said Conquest Racing, a couple other entries, Rob underscore McMahon said Tough Choice, I'm picking Carlin, not for their performance as an IndyCar team, but for their potential, that they really could have been good given how good they were in lights and other junior categories, yeah, didn't we all? Uh, Big D Cart said None of the Above, I miss Newman Haas. And Nick J. Fletcher said Roth Racing. It's a great entry. Yes. I miss uh, Panther Racing. Yeah, Panther Racing. Um, but in terms of the recent ones, I mean, Dragon Speed came in and was was okay. I really think Sam Schmidt, if there's anyone that I miss, it's Schmidt. Because for a time, I mean, they were the power team in... Indy Lights. Yeah. And it was a great story coming up through Indy Lights and then getting into IndyCar and having success there. And then you kind of saw the writing on the wall in recent years where it was okay. It was it was McLaren Schmidt. And then it was, you know, just McLaren. And then Schmidt was bought out. And it, it was a constant. It was always a great story. And seeing Sam, you know, some of the highlights and getting pole on in, in the 500 and all that stuff. Um, it, it, that that team to me kind of signified what was really great about the series is people that were involved in the series. You know, tragedy with Sam Schmidt with the, with with being paralyzed and then growing his his homegrown team and all that. It was a great story, and I miss Sam being a, a, a constant in the series. Uh, this from Mom Two X over two thousand two. Uh, I think we were talking about San Antonio and a street race there. Uh, she says the streets in San Antonio too narrow for a street race. Can't they roll? They race down the Riverwalk. <laughs> is, that pa- I, is that possible? I don't think so. The Riverwalk Grand Prix. That would be cool. And then Beans B Card Blog. Uh, so IndyCar getting trading cards. Parksidecards.com is the website. Mm. So this is coming. So this is pretty cool. And I think this has been teased before the off season, but now it seems to be pretty official. I think it'd be pretty cool is it not only just having trading cards for drivers, but like if you've, if you've collected cards from like other, other genres and stuff, it's not just players anymore. Like you can get moments or races or race courses uh, or cars. I think that'd be pretty cool. So not just general, Oh, here's your Scott Dixon card or here is your um, James Hinchcliffe card, or you can get, a AJ Foyt card or a 1973 Indianapolis 500 card and stuff like that. I think that would be pretty cool. I think having like old school trading card. I mean, I'm sure there were some back in the day, but who knows where you could find them for sure. I would like it. You know, you have classic drivers. all that. Like there's much, there's much more to do other than just having, Oh, here's your 27 full-time driver cards for 2024. I think you could expand the interest in having more than just the, the, the regular drivers. International races update and a couple of replies, but IndyCar seeking clarity on Argentina race plans. So again, there's a new president in Argentina that always impacts these international races and Javier Millet, I believe is how you say it, 
um, <coughs> coming in, and he has been a big advocate for restricted governmental spending. That's from MarshallPerdeRacer.com. He is an interesting character. He's, like, cloned his dog five times. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, English Mastiff dog. Um, interesting. He is a very interesting character. If you, if you want some entertaining reading, just read up on him. <laughs> but uh, the, the consideration now is, are they going to push forward for 2024? Are they going to table it until next year? The way I see this happening is it's not happening. If it no, were right to happen, I, I feel like it would have already been announced and, you know, there's no guarantee that Canapino's in the series in 2025. So, uh, I mean, these races are great in theory, but until you get a signed contract and the money, I am always going to have my doubts Well, you always it for- will happen. Yeah, well, you always forget, too, because we're in a country of a, a capitalist country and a lot of privately funded events is in many of these countries... It is the government that's fronting money yeah. for these big events, and it's easier said than done. It's not going to China or some of these totalitarian countries that are just, you know, we're going to spend $20 million on this, and that's it. Is These things have to go through proper government channels, and it's a big expenditure for some of these countries, for sure, so... I'm with you at this point. Hasn't happened. Hasn't been announced in mid-January. I would say if it's not announced by mid-February, it's not happening. Because these teams have to budget. If they're going to go, they have to budget for a trip to Argentina, even if they're getting paid to do it, because they have to pay their employees and all that. So I can't imagine not finding out by this time next month that it's going to happen. Let alone you have to promote the race. And I'm not worried about fans showing up, but you still need at least six months you know, yeah. to promote and get everything, at least from the Argentina side, from logistics to promotion to the track getting ready. So I have my doubts this will happen, which is unfortunate because it looks like a really cool track. Uh, Beans B card blog replying to this said, I don't think that anyone will ever be able to explain to me the point of a non points race. I understand it for thermal, but yes, I agree. If you're going to add Argentina, make it a points race. Uh, Big D cart said bad idea. It gives a fascist dictator an international stage. Like I said, he is a very interesting figure. Your, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'm interested in the dogs. I'm not interested in his fascism. I'm, I'm quite frankly interested in if, if his check clears. Yeah, to be honest, I that's mean, what matters. We're not talking about human rights violations or anything here. It's not like we're going to Saudi Arabia or something for a race, uh, which can be controversial. I'm just wondering if the dude has enough money left over from cloning his dogs to pay IndyCar <laughs> to host a race in Argentina. Yeah. That's all I really care about. It, it That is true. So that wraps up the mailbag time for news and notes. And we go from Argentina to off-season testing and racer.com. Marshall Pruitt had this story discussing testing. This will be at Homestead Miami Speedway, January 22nd through 24th. Uh, it will be on the Roval, so not on the Oval, unfortunately. But the, the part that's interesting to both of us Supply delays for new for 2024 IndyCar chassis items. T- teams will run a single car apiece in 2024 configuration. So they'll swap out drivers uh, and they'll cycle through their drive- drivers on this test. It's the Monday and Wednesday at Homestead. And then again, before the roar, before the 24 test at Daytona for the Rolex 24. So they're fitting all this in in that week as far as other testing schedule this offseason for IndyCar 
Uh, they will have uh, January 29th through 31st, a hybrid outing again at Homestead, Miami uh, with four cars, two from Chevy, Aaron McLaren, Team Penske, two from Honda, Andretti Global, Chip Ganassi, and then a second hybrid test, February 20th through 22nd. That will be an entire field. Uh, uh, that's the second hybrid test, and then the entire field set for two days at Sebring, February 26th through 27th. And then that's it as far as testing before the season. So it the way I read this, it does not look like there's an open test in the preseason. Am I making too big of a deal of the fact that we're less than two months away from the start of the season and not everybody has their parts for 2024? I mean, take hybrid out of the equation. Yeah. Like, is this like a problem? Seems like it. <laughs> like, you know, like, is, are we so used to this being an issue that we just gloss over the fact that IndyCar still hasn't gotten its team's parts for 2024? Even if you can't test on track, you'd like you know some of the bigger teams to put it in in uh, wind tunnels and on the shaker rigs and all this stuff. Like It just seems kind of, I don't know, hodgepodge, man. Yeah, this will be the lighter aero screen, remember? so. But they've had that. Haven't they had that for a while? Couldn't they have just ordered this thing nine months ago? I, I, I don't know. It just kind of bothers me. That this is like the norm for IndyCar. I will remain cautiously optimistic that they will be ready in time for St. Pete, but the way this is trending, we were, uh, yeah, we'll run the 23 spec. How long were we told that with the hybrid? True. And then eventually it was postponed. That is true. Uh, at least some good news on the flip side. Uh, we talked about this last week, so it's not new news that leader circle payouts are increasing, but what was new is that we got some more info in terms of where this is headed. Now it doesn't say the number in terms of, is it returning to what it was after the downsizing, but it will be back in seven figures. Which is good for the teams. It's it's where it needs to be. I would say it needs to be more. I would like to see more uh, slots other than twenty two. Get the leader circle money with the expanded um, the expanded car count in these races. I still am wondering if it's just reallocation of current money in the series, or if it's new investment. Is the marketing budget still saying the same? But now there's an investment to get the leader circle back to where it was. I don't know if we'll ever get that question answered. Mark Miles said typical funding will be restored, whatever that means, and said, we'll maybe have some news about the total amount, but it'll be seven figures. There will not be a deduction for help with promotions. Which is good to see, but are they just basically reallocating that promotions money back to the leader circle, or is this true investment in the series remains to be seen? But it's good for the teams for that going back up. Absolutely. Never should have went down anyway. No. No, it should not. Uh, A couple of team-related news. No driver announcements. In the last week, uh, Nathan Brown reporting Hunkos Hollinger has unveiled some some hirings and promotions. Mark Myers was at Aero McLaren the last three plus years, director of partnerships. He's been named the chief marketing officer. And remember, they have an, a strategic alliance with McLaren that's sponsorship focused. So Hunkos unveiled their cars, no real sponsors on them. I mean, there's like a small Purdue one that they've had. But Pay.com, who had a primary sponsorship that was supposed to be a multi-year deal. Not on there. That, huh? not on the car. Visit Argentina, which was on, on the cars last year. Not on the cars. So Is that just because they wanted to reveal the liveries more than the advertisers, perhaps, hopefully? Perhaps. And 
you would think there'd be some overflow McLaren sponsors. Yeah, also, that's true. Lee Zolman, who was previously Hunkos's senior partnership advisor, is now the team's chief commercial officer. So a couple uh, people shuffling around. Some interesting notes from Jenna Fryer of the AP uh, at Rolex 24 Media Day. Uh, Colton Herta tried to land a Daytona 500 ride, couldn't land one. Which do you, if you look at this year's field, because we talk so much about cup drivers coming over to IndyCar, who do you think is it Brian Herta or Brian Herta? Is it Colton Herta when we, when I ask the question, who's the next current IndyCar driver that will race in the Daytona 500? Oh, I think it's Marco Andretti. Yeah. He announced his schedule 20 races. He'll be in the Arkham Menard series, Arkham Menard series West and NASCAR uh, Craftsman truck series. Again, 20 races. I'll be uh, started February 17th at Daytona in the Arkham Menard series. I'll be at Coda in trucks, uh, Phoenix in the Menard series, Dover, Kansas, Portland, Sonoma, uh, Portland, Sonoma, the Arkham Menard series West. Also, Iowa, Mid Ohio, a couple of races at IRP, one in the Menard series, another in Craftsman Trucks. Uh, it'll be at the Milwaukee Mile the same weekend as IndyCar hey. uh, for the Arkham Menard Series and Craftsman Trucks on August 25th. So running two races uh, that weekend. Menard Series back at Watkins Glen, Bristol Truck Series at Bristol, Kansas, uh, and Truck uh, Truck Series and Arca, and then Homestead and Phoenix in the Truck Series to round out the schedule. And obviously, still expect him to race in the Indy 500. So. Uh, and, and he said he, he wanted to do a mixture of tracks and not jump right in like an IndyCar and SRX, but take some time and be exciting to see what he can do. He had some good showings last year in trucks. He's earned the right to do that and a pretty versatile schedule for Marco Andretti. But yeah, it's a good point. I, we could probably see him in the Daytona 500 in the next couple of years. And from Marco Andretti to the race team, uh, several announcements. First off, uh, Salvador D'Alba Jr. is joining uh, Cape Motorsports, who is partnering with Andretti for the upcoming Indy Lights, as we call it, season. So they have a partnership uh, for 2024. Also, Bryant Heating and Cooling, who's been a sponsor for uh, Marcus Erickson, uh, Tony Kanaan in the past as well, longtime IndyCar sponsor. Uh, they will serve as an official partner on the 28 car Marcus Erickson uh, for the upcoming season. And from Bryant's current day to Bryant in the past, Janet Guthrie who was sponsored by Bryant back in the day, competing in the 8500. Um, but uh, she is being named to the NASCAR Hall of Fame and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame. How about that? So, which I was surprised she wasn't already in the yes i agree uh, and maybe this was just a, a post where they're they're sharing because i would have assumed she was already in the you i would uh, think but indianapolis motor speed hall of fame i it was a little confusing to me but uh she has been named to the nascar hall of fame gotcha all right makes sense she will be honored uh for that so good honor for her um speaking of ims They've extended their partnership with Molson Coors, a.k.a. Coors Light will, will be the official beer of IMS, uh, includes sponsorship of Carb Day, expanded title sponsorship of the Snake Pit for the Indy 500. Good to see. Definitely good to see. Uh, let's see. A couple other notes to get to. 
Um, Daniel Frost, who was once thought to be a candidate for an IndyCar ride, was racing careers on hold because he has to serve his mandatory two-year military service. I saw that. Where is he from? Singapore. Okay. I was wondering. So it's a compulsory commitment, and then he'll return to his IndyCar career. But he tested with Coin in October of 2022. So he was thought to be a, a driver who could one day race in IndyCar. But uh, and, and speaking of Indy Lights, 20 drivers tested at Sebring earlier this week. So it's just hard to believe that there are that many drivers in that series. But it's, it's, a, it's good, awesome to good see. sign to see. Absolutely. Yes. Ha- it, it helps when half of the field is fielded by one team. Alexander Rossi says Kyle Larson could win the Indy 500. That's from autoweek.com. This year? Maybe the next year. Okay. Do we expect Kyle Larson to do it back-to-back years? Yeah, that's the contract. Okay. Well, is it a two-year back-to-back? Could he do it in 2023 and 2025, for example? 2023, 2026? I assume it's back-to-back. All right. All right. We'll we'll see. McLaren just has to figure out how to win races, period. Let alone Kyle Larson winning at the Indianapolis True. I mean, they, they didn't win a race last season. Yeah. Let's not, uh, you know, get ahead of ourselves. Yes. And then Wouldn't it be it, wild if their only win was Kyle Larson at the 500 this year? That would be wild. And then in terms of the silly season stuff, as we mentioned, a, a slow week. There was a note in terms of the, the mailbag and where things could be headed for Devlin Francesco, several other drivers. Uh, Pruitt said no changes. Ryan Hunter-Ray, Connor Daly expected to represent Ryan Reinbold at Indy. Um, Ray Hall expected to run a fourth car for Takuma Sato. Foy is running a third, so we that provides some clarity. Jerry Hildebrand, leading candidate Stefan Wilson and Don Cusick have also been mentioned uh, for that, which makes sense. Uh, obviously, R.C. Enerson returning with Abel. Charlie Kimball said to have an interest in running in. Beth Brett's name also been spoken of as someone who'd like to return, saying bump day could be busy. I, all indications, at least... Now, and of course, things can change between now and May. Sounds like we should be at 36. I don't see any. I don't see any more. We know I don't see that, any more unless there's a special Honda driver. Yeah. Because but, Chevy already has their special driver right. in Kyle Larson. So I think, I think you're going to see maxed out at 18 each. I think we have 36 cars trying to make the race. That's pretty much what the max has been for several years now. We haven't always gotten there, but I see 36. And in terms of Devlin DeFrancesco, I mentioned uh, Pruitt saying, I'd heard DeFrancesco was close as far as coin. Then late last week, I heard the talks have stalled. Um, Colin Braun uh, mentioned uh, as far as uh, for coin, but again, as he says, a wild card, as we all expect. But if DeFrancesco has the funding, my guess is he will be in one of those seats. And then about a week ago, Pruitt had an article on, on the silly season and couple other names to keep in mind. Um, and this was interesting. Jack Harvey uh, has been affiliated with uh, Coin, along with Benjamin Peterson, as you'd expect, as far as potential options. Makes sense. But two okay. cars still expected from Coin, and that's where we're at. And that's the latest on Silly Season. That's really the latest on everything this week. And with that said... It is time for a random split air driver of the week. All right. We're going to cart this week and looking back at 2003 for Mr. Patrick Lemare. Lemare. Who? I don't know. 
I'm trying to say it like a Frenchman because he is a Frenchman from Paris or Paris, as they say over there. But Patrick Lemari, I'll also call it Lemari, uh, is who was six and done with PK Racing, and I oh, I forgot this is it, the PK. It was the Calcoven, yeah, was, it was the, the K, K, and it was Craig Pollock from the old Pack West team that was ah. the P. Because I remember KV, of course. I don't yes. quite remember PK racing, uh, but that's what it was, Calcoven and Pollock. I remember KVRT as well. Yes, but he was six and done. And PKV. Yeah, that's right. PKV. But I don't remember PK. And so he was six and done that season, 2003. He had his top two finishes were 10th at St. Pete and Monterey in his first two races. He was then replaced after Milwaukee by Brian Herta that year in 2003. So that was it in terms of his cart experience, but extensive experience outside of that did some uh, formula 3000 in the late nineties, then got into Le Mans in the early 2000 after cart. Uh, he went into um, some NASCAR, especially in the Euro series and actually did that as recently as 2022, but uh, really didn't do much outside of that. And, and interestingly, in 2022, became the oldest winner in the NASCAR Whalen Euro Series by winning the final round of the season at 54 years old. That race was held at the picturesque Auto, let's see, Auto Motodrom Grobnik, which is in, in Croatia. Excuse me? Uh, keep that on the radar for international series races. The FIA grade is a four, so maybe not. But uh, uh, that's, uh, that's where he was. He was... Um, he competed in the 24-hour Le Mans, American Le Mans series, Indy Lights, Toyota Atlantics, Formula 3000, but was just six and done. Uh, also did four years performing testing work for the British American Racing Formula One series, Formula One team. Ah, Bar Honda. Yes, the Bar Honda back with Lucky Strike. Yeah. Wasn't that Lucky Strike with yes. Bar Honda? Yeah, it's really British American tobacco. Yes, but so it's like rip off those filters. Yeah, they, I think, they had to change it to, to British American Racing. Yes, but... Uh, that was pretty much what the career was, at least in cards, six and done uh, with PK Racing. This week's random split era driver of the week, Mr. Patrick Lemarie. Born in Paris, and you, you're selling that, that season in cart short because it was the Bridgestone Presents, the Champ Car yes, World I'm Series sorry, powered by the, Ford. Yes, which uh, would have but been a hell of an But it was the final cart, uh, the weird part is the final cart season but it was the Bridgestone presents the Champ Car World Series powered by Ford. Paul Tracy, the, the series champion, and then Smash Day, a rookie that year. And then, of course, he took over that series before it folded uh, and, and merged with IndyCar in 2008. But, that'll uh, do it for the week. Fertile, fertile, fertile ground for random split air drivers of the week. But oh, that's it. No, no tweets of the week this week? No, there was nothing that good. Nothing nothing riveting? No. Well, we, we powered through a show. Thanks for Adam Stern for joining us. These are very much the dog days of the offseason. Most everybody is set outside of one team. So uh, we'll have another special guest next week. Yes. Very much looking forward to this special guest. Um, maybe not a direct IndyCar tie-in, but we kind of work that tie-in we work with the it interview. In. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's it's something you'll look forward to listening next week, uh, up-and-coming race car driver. So for Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks to Adam Stern for joining us. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.